Okay, good evening everybody. You like it when we go live, don't you, Shelly? I, I do love too. It. I love it. I do too, around the world. All right, <clears throat> what is the most fascinating time about this year for you? The weather. The weather, this time of year? She says the weather. Okay, let me ask the question more specifically. What is the most fascinating thing there is for Christmas for you? For me? She's speechless. Think, you know what I think is fascinating? I think it's fascinating that we celebrate Christmas as Jesus' birthday when his birthday is really in June. Okay. And that's not necessarily taught usually. All right. I think that's fascinating. What about you? Warm hearts. Warm hearts? Okay. Clinton? Deacon Clinton, correct? Correction. <clears throat> she got it. <clears throat> He's fascinated by nothing. He's fascinated by nothing? Okay. Uh, Vernon? Gifts? Okay. I would ask her, but I don't know if she's paying attention. <laughs> but your voice is too far away to pick up on the recorder. Uh, I guess you're waiting on me, aren't you? Tell us what we're fascinated by. Uh, I can't tell you what you're fascinated by. As a little boy, I was intrigued by watching my mom put the big blue bulbs on the tree, the big colorful bulbs, you know what I'm talking about, the big ones that explode if you throw them. And I, I enjoy going out into this guy's field and stealing his cedar trees. Because <laughs> yeah, that's what it was, I didn't get permission, I would take the axe and go out there and uh, chop down one of the trees and drag it to the house. and. My mom, watching my mom throw the tinsel on it and putting those big colorful light bulbs. And I literally would sit there and just watch those bulbs for hours and my mind would take me to another world. And I think that happened because I didn't know the true meaning of Christmas. And so I was always fascinated with the day. But as I got older and the Lord saved me and I from the scriptures learn the truth about this day. This is really a um, I get angry. It's a difficult time for me. And I'm not I'm not ashamed to tell you that I'm being a glass house right now. I I get angry because I know that when the Catholic Church did this day, several hundred years ago, the intentions were great. But what angers me is within the last 10 years, or it, as I've seen it, and even longer than that, 
the stuff that they brought into the intentions of celebrating our Lord's birth, and even though it wasn't a day that was set aside by God, I, I thought it was a, a neat thing to have done that. It give, gives us a point of reference to go from, but it broke my heart and still does. But see, when I was a boy, and maybe I'm just rambling, but people around the world need to know this. When I was a boy, I didn't know the history behind Santa Claus. And I didn't know the history behind Christmas. And however, one thing our mother taught us when we were little, and it had a little bit of imagination to it, she said, when you get up on, in the morning, on Christmas morning, kneel down at the foot of your bed and say your prayers and thank God for Jesus. And then she also said, and this is probably where the fantasy part came in at, <clears throat> she said, you can look in the sky on Easter, uh, I mean, on Sun, uh, Christmas morning, and you can see the sun dancing because it's Jesus' birthday. <laughs> As a kid, you don't know that this is a folktale. <laughs> I would run outside and look to see if I can actually see the sun dancing. But as I got older and the Lord began to, to teach me, uh, I became heartbroken. Because everybody at that time, when I was a kid, knew that Christmas was about Jesus. They did. And now, it's no more. It's almost gone. And all you see is the commercialism about the day. You don't see giving God the glory as much as you would have normally seen. You don't see people being kind to each other the way that they used to about this day. And I don't want to destroy any um, upbringings that people may have had about this, this day, but I will give the truth that If you put Santa and Satan name side by side, what do you have? Except for one letter, they're what? Next up. Yeah, basically they're what? The same. All you got to do is take and switch one letter over and, and Santa and you have what? Satan. And I was thinking about that this morning. Shelly, I know how you feel about this day. But I think the truth also must be told. We come here every Sunday and we worship the true, the only true and living God and His Son, Jesus. And to allow an idol to take the place of a day in which He's supposed to be glorified, that was the very intention of the day. Because the pagans had a day that they were worshiping false gods. And so the Catholic Church set this time aside 
for the sole purpose to get Christians to ship away from that kind of understanding, that kind of worship, so that they can focus on God sending His Son Jesus into the world and give God the glory because now the Savior has been born. And it literally breaks my heart. I'm not a perfect saint by, by no measure. But looking at this time of year, it, it, it wounds my spirit because this is a time in which Shell and I and Clinton and all of us can be a terrific witness to a world that has gone so far away from the truth of this day. And so, with that said, I, I wonder, the man who the Holy Spirit allowed to write this particular book that we're in right now, the book of Ephesians, that letter that he wrote to the Ephesians, the Apostle Paul, if he had anything to say about this time, what do you think he would probably say? Yeah. Of any of the apostles. Matter of fact, even take it back further. What do you think Isaiah would probably say? Even yet, go back further to Abraham when Jesus said Abraham desired to see his day. What would Father Abraham say about such a thing? Yeah. How many of you don't like the direction this Bible study is going in right now? Raise your hand, be honest. Go ahead, raise your hand, Shelly. Okay, good, good. I love honesty from you all. I do. But at the same time, people out there in the world need to know the truth. They need to know the truth. I'm not stopping them from what, they, what their family traditions are. I'm just asking them to look at the truth and let the truth be paramount. That's what I'm saying. And I don't want to continue to chase that rabbit right now because even though my flesh really want to, I don't think it's necessary to go any further. Amen? And I'll tell you what your husband say, Shelly. You got to love me. What's he say? He say, you got to love me. Oh. You got to love the truth. You got to love the person. Even though we get frustrated at certain things. Hey, look. Um, I agree. And you will probably hear this again about Easter. Because I want our people to know the truth. I really do. Uh, Dick and Amelia, you all heard me talking to him on the phone. He had his procedure today with his heart. And still some possible complications there. That's why they're keeping an eye on him for a couple more days in the hospital. Um, I believe the Lord is going to bring him through it. As a matter of fact, I know so. And I thank God for that. Ms. Vicky is such a patient lady. Um... I'm excited that we get a chance to help people at this time of year. If we can portray the love of Christ, uh, I've already started collecting things for that family 
family that you, I don't want to call the name here right now, but um, that's a need so that we can go and help them, okay? And there's other families in which we will reach uh, this week. And uh, the sole purpose of us reaching people, the more Lord Jesus said to help them, <laughs> right? Yeah. And that's, that's, that's the only reason, okay? And in that, I'm hoping that they would see him <laughs> and desire him with all their hearts, okay? It's good to have Zora back, at, back here on this side of the United States, all the way from Mobile, Alabama. All the way from Mobile. She seemed to brought some cold weather with her, with her because it's shifting. Right with us. <laughs> yes. I want I want to talk to you a little bit before we go to the Lord in prayer. I want to I want to talk to you all about some world events right now that you need to put on your prayer list. <coughs> okay. As much as we don't like the Russians, still pray. They're. Um, Ambassador to Turkey was killed on live television last night. Um, and those of you that know the Russians, it's going to be a price to pay when they find out who did it. Okay. And then in Germany, the truck driver that ran over those people and killed them in the marketplace there in Berlin. Nowhere near that. Remember those uh, victims? There's 12 deceased and nearly 60, I think, injured. Nine were killed. They, this morning they upped it. Oh, they upped it? Right. They upped it to 12 this morning. I thought you said six. I didn't. And then the shooting that occurred, I think, in the Switzerland in the mosque. Yeah, the shooting that took place in Switzerland, the mosque, none of them died. They all are recovering. Oh, yeah, there was like three and two. Yeah, uh, folks, just because people are not Christians doesn't mean that we shouldn't pray for them. We do because remember what God told the prophet Ezekiel? And you read it in chapter 33 of the book of Ezekiel. But God said, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that they turn, turn from their wicked ways. And so I take no pleasure in any human leaving this world without being a son or daughter of Jesus Christ. Because I know what their destiny is. And so as much as we want barbarians and others alike to perish in the lake of fire. We got to remember Christ died on the cross for us too. Because we were barbarians in God's eyes Amen. before Jesus came and delivered us. And so with that said, Deacon, lead us in prayer so we can see what the scriptures have to say about Jesus tonight. Good to see you, Tully. <laughs> All right. Uh, I want you to start it, but for the sake of time just tonight, you open and you close it. Okay, let's go. Father, we thank you for allowing us to be here at this Bible study today. 
Um, we thank you for this time of year to celebrate you. Um, we ask that you, we pray that you look over everybody affected in the Middle East, um, in Syria, all all the things that have go, are going wrong. Yes, Lord. Um, the people in Turkey, um, all the people around those places, please watch over them. Um, please touch them um, and guide them in your direction. In Jesus' name. Dear Lord, um, uh, thank you for your time today. Uh, as we go into the Bible, we uh, study your word, dear Lord. Also, uh, uh, send out a prayer for the families that this church is affecting, that you do for your will for this church to help these families, dear Lord. And also, uh, pray that you open our minds up today to grasp all the concepts and teachings you have in your Bible, dear Lord. And that you uh, do a working in all of our hearts, dear Lord. Amen. Okay, somebody grab that, please. It has to be Shelly. Uh, it has to be you. Yeah. Okay. One of the things I found out this morning in my in my studies, and I want to share it with uh, you just briefly. Um. I, uh, the Holy Spirit has been giving me some really good Jewish teachings and understanding of things that was in the Old Testament. Um, when Joshua then went into the land and conquered the land, uh, one of the, the nations that they was coming against was called the Jebusites. Anybody know what the modern day name of the place called Jebus? No? Jerusalem. Jerusalem. There was one, in fact, it was one of the specific nations because it was considered a nation. It had their own king and <laughs> ethnic groups. So it was called a nation, the Jebusites, listed in the book throughout the first five books. Um, when they go into the land, especially in the book of Exodus, what God told Moses them. Um, the king of Jebus, his name was Adonai, Adonai, uh, I would probably help if I would have turned there in Joshua chapter 10. Adonai, I forget the last part of the name, Lord forgive me. Anyway, I did not know that he was an offspring of the Nephilims. Anyone know what Nephilims are? The Nephilims were giants. He was a giant. And when he heard what Joshua then was doing, he went and allied with Joshua. In a sense that, you know, so that Joshua wouldn't destroy them, but made them pay tribute. Do you know what a Nephilim is? Is no one Nephilim and Rephims? They were the offsprings of the angels who came down and made it with women, producing su superhumans. Goliath was one of them. 
his, him and his brothers were all giants. All giants were somewhere in the bloodline of the women who had babies for these, these angels or demons, as we would know them. And they were the superhumans. And <clears throat> to understand what they went up against, um, that had to be something. And the, the thing that caught me, <clears throat> what the writing said, uh, the Jewish research was that this must have really troubled God because this was a human race that God did not create. On the woman's side, yes. But the other side, no, God didn't tell them to come together and produce. So this was a messed up DNA that had to be destroyed completely. It's not like the, uh, some of the folks around the world today that have a mutation in their genes that cause you know, irregular growth and they get humongous tall and all because of that, that little part of the brain that What's they call that? Uh, um, that feet, yeah, pituitary, pituitary gland that Marfan syndrome that causes them to just go, boom, okay, and super large. But these were were giants. I mean, it was a race of them, and they went from. One person on. Well, what was interesting, and I know this is not the Bible study tonight, but it's always good to have a sidebar teaching. Uh, what was interesting is that when we look at the flood with Noah, that was one of the reasons at the very first part of that chapter in Genesis chapter 6, when God, when it talks about that the sons of God came down and they saw that the, the daughters of men were what? Fair, the word fair is another name for beautiful, just absolutely stunning. And they just had to, <laughs> they had to have them. I mean, spitting all over the place while I'm saying it. <laughs> but anyway, and then they said, and it was giants was born, men of renown. I mean, they were superhuman. So you would think that when these people were destroyed in the flood, that would have wiped out that gene, right? So that tell you and I that not Noah's side of the family carried that gene, but Noah's son's wives carried that gene. Are y'all understanding that? In order for, after the flood, for these giants to be rebirthed into the human race. Is this making any sense to y'all? And so, because once the DNA is corrupted, it's what? It's corrupted. <laughs> and, and when Israel, remember reading in the scriptures in the book of Numbers, when God had Moses to send out the 12 spies into the land, and they spent 40 days in the land spying out the land of Canaan. And when they came back to give their report, what was it? Ten of them said something so horrendous that it put fear in the hearts of, a, of an entire nation of people. 
And they came back and said, 10 of them came back and said, there are giants in the land and we're like grasshoppers to them. And they was, they put fear in the people and they didn't want to go in. But Joshua and Caleb, boy, they're like men clean, boy. We can take them with the help of the Lord. Let's go get them. Okay. <laughs> but the other 10 had a bigger impact on the rest of the nation. And that's what made God angry. And God had said, for every day that the spies were in the land is a year that you will wander in the desert and to those who had unbelief fall by the way until they perish, until that generation was wiped out. So that's how they end up getting 40 years wandering in the desert because they didn't believe God. You know, God knew there was giants in the land when he sent them in there. God knew there was giants in the land before he brought his people out of where? Out of Egypt. God knew it. He also knew that he was going to give them the victory over those giants. So Joshua and Caleb knew that too. And their spirit, they go, oh yeah, let's go get them, God. But the rest of them said, uh-uh, I'm not going back in there. There's giants in the land and we're like grasshoppers to them. And so I thought there was something interesting to pass on to you all because you never know when this kind of knowledge could be useful in testifying about Lord Jesus and God our Father. Okay? And there's other stuff that, that uh, the Lord blessed me to, to be a part of, but that'll be another time, right, Deacon, that we'll talk about the stuff that you and I discussed the other night in detail. And probably I'm thinking right before Passover, well, I, I should do a detailed teaching on that. Uh, to give an idea why was Christ inserted in human history at the time in which God sent him. What, what, you know, it was just amazing what God did there. And uh, we, we really don't fully get everything, man, I tell you. All right, Ephesians 4. Where are we in this teaching right now? Uh, Paul had just finished an uh, incredible teaching, uh, part of his letter there in chapter 3. Where he's now has told the Christians, both Jews and Gentile Christians, uh, that they are one in Christ Jesus. There's no more division between the two uh, nations, the Jews and the Gentiles. They're now one in Christ because Christ did that himself. Uh, made the two one blood in him. Um, and the other thing is that he let them see what the model church looks like now. What the model Christian life looks like. Okay? And also how we are to demonstrate the power of God as Christians on earth to the unseen world, which he labeled as powers and principalities. Okay? So he's talking about the angelic and demonic armies that are out there. He said that we have a power in us by the Holy Ghost, by Christ in us. Not only do we have this supernatural power that we like to call it from God, uh, through Christ, but we're also heirs, we're joint heirs with Christ. We we have the same inheritance as Jesus has. We talked about that a little bit last week. What, what is an heir? And everybody agreed that an heir is someone that's going to inherit something, okay? And Jesus is the chief heir of God's throne. Everything that God has, it belongs to the Son, okay? All right, so where are we now? When you get over in chapter 4 here, 
He's now going to tell you and I. All right. Now that you're this, this is what Jesus has done for you. Now this is what you got to do for him. This is the apl application part. Chapter 4 is now taking all the knowledge that you learn in scriptures about Christ and now putting it in your life and live it out every day. I struggle with this. You struggle with this. But the Holy Spirit is going to help us how to be that, that child of God in Christ. If we listen, you're going to watch him. God take a no good person, because that's what we were to God, right? Take a no good person and make that person someone beautiful, someone glorious in Christ. And that person's life now is going to become a living testimony before the world. All right, let's take a look and see how that happens. All right, let's go on uh, Shelley's Bible site, NIV. Mm. Uh, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Uh, every person, every saint has received a calling from God. The first calling is, we call it Christian. What does that mean? Okay, follow Jesus. What exactly does that mean? Oh, this is question and answer time now. This is the deep, deep thinking time now. What does it mean when we say you are a Christian? It means you live right. You mean you live right? Yeah. Yeah, well, it should lead to that. It means you have a relationship. It means you have a relationship. And you obey all God's commandments. Obeying all God's commandments. Jesus came and died for us for our sins and, and okay. rose again. Yeah. All right. Well, that's how you got there. Yes, <laughs> that's true. But I, I, I'm going to throw this statement at you. Throw it at your husband, and hopefully you do the same thing he did. Come and seek me, do a fact-finding mission, and come and seek me for more information. But, no, we're going to give it to you tonight. We won't let you come in and search for it. Um, it means to be Christ-like. Was Christ totally different than every human on earth? Yes, he was in every way. Even though he looked like us, he talked like us, he walked like us, he ate like us, he slept like us. Yet he was totally different. Hebrews chapter 4 said that Jesus was tempted in every way, yet without sin. So every way imagine somebody, Satan had somebody tempt the Lord. And that's why the writer of Hebrews chapter 4, in that, in that particular book, he did say, that's why we're able to come to him when we're tempted for help. Because he was tempted in every way, yet without sin. He didn't give in to the temptations. So was sin Jesus' nature, like in humans? I'm saying it again. Was sin in Jesus' nature? Not at all. Not at all. Like Not at all. The only thing that the Bible tells us about Jesus and sin when it comes to him as the son of God is that God placed our sins up on him like a blanket, laid them up on him. That's why uh, Paul wrote in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, that he made him, that he is God, him is Jesus, he made him to become sin. 
on our behalf mm -hmm. so that the righteousness of God would be fulfilled in right. us. Right. Okay? Some theologians, and the word theologian comes from the Greek word theos for God, and logian means the study of, the study of God, that's what theologians stand for, um, seem to think the three hours of darkness that was upon the earth, it is when God took and placed our sin upon Jesus so that the world couldn't see how ugly it was, how heinous it was upon him. And it was at that time also that it believed that Jesus entered into heaven in the very presence of God with his blood and offered his own blood as a living sacrifice for our sins. And not only that, he took, our, took his blood and sprinkled the entire human race, as it says in Hebrews chapter 9, starting at verse 13 there, took and sprinkled us with his own blood and washed away our sins. Isn't that also whenever he went down to hell? No, that's, that's different. I think the washing part had already taken place when he was still up on the cross. And in fact, he went to hell while on the cross. Some people think, oh, when, he, when they laid him in the grave, he went to hell. No, when he said, it is finished, where was he? He wasn't in the grave when he said, it, was, it is finished. Where was he? He was on the cross. And when he said, it is, it is finished, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, it is at that second that he entered into the gates of hell. Okay? And that's why he said, into your hands I commit my spirit. It was saying, Father, I am now trusting you with my life. And he knew where he had to go. He was trusting God that when he went into the gates of hell, went in the heart of hell, that God would bring him out. Okay? This is amazing stuff. I mean, it blows my mind when I think about all of that. So, Paul here saying that you and I know that we have confessed our sins to God and we profess that we have accepted God's Son, Jesus, into our hearts. We now, at that moment of acceptance by Jesus of us, we become Christ's children or Christ's followers, Christ's disciples. Okay? And our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Some people say, your names are written before the foundation of the world. I don't want to get into that part right now. That's too deep of a discussion for what I want to do right now. But it is at that moment in which we're supposed to, uh, our life changes. Uh, there's a couple of things that we call that. It's the turning point or watershed of our life where things change. And that's why I tell people it's hard for me to believe that you belong to Jesus and there have been no evidence of change in your life. Because the Jesus that I know brings change by the Holy Spirit. I know at times I sin more than I care to admit here, but I do love Lord Jesus with all my heart. I know he saved me and I know I'm still in this sinful flesh. But there's no excuse to com commit sin. There's no excuse for that. But God is still merciful towards me. His grace is still sufficient. And I believe that my name is still written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Okay? 
So just because we're saved, it does not give us an excuse to continue in sin. Now a change has to take place. All right, Shelly. So he says now we are to be worthy of this calling. And that calling is to be his children, to be that living witness before the world that we now have accepted Jesus. One person you see in the Bible made a radical change and people couldn't believe that this person is saved. And it's the one who's writing this letter. People, I mean, Jewish Christians freaked out going, what? You mean to tell them the one who was, is persecuting the church is now saved? And they gave God the glory. Remember Ananias, the very first man that God, Christian man that God, Lord Jesus sent Paul to while he was still blind? And what, you remember his conversation with Lord Jesus in the vision? He said, Lord, <laughs> have you heard what this man is doing to your people? And Jesus said, I know. He's now a chosen vessel of mine. Okay? And I can believe that this once kill of the church is now saved. And the Holy Ghost told him, oh yeah, he, he saved. Radical change. Radical change. Okay? Immediately, immediate growth. All right. So it says, uh, be completely humble. And gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. And that this is the part that I think a lot of us struggle. Uh, we get, Christians really do get mad and very nasty with each other. I'm just going to come straight out. Man, we, <laughs> listen, we say things to each other that we shouldn't say. We do things to each other. And at times we are very vindictive towards each other. And I've heard so many times over the last 30-something years as a Christian man, I can't believe you Christians treat each other like that. That's what unbelievers tell us. You've heard it. You've heard it. They go, why I want to become one of y'all when you all don't even love each other? Yeah. Okay? I've heard that recently. And they, they, they go over and over again. Some even say, you Christians don't even know what you want to believe. How many, why is there so many denominations? Why well, I want to become one of y'all? Y'all confuse yourself. Why, why should I join that group of confused people? You know? In fact, that's one of the things I've heard Jews say. You all can't make up what you want to be, what kind of Christian you want to be. But us Jews, we know exactly what we are. And they're going, ouch. <laughs> that hurts. What they're saying, they all follow the same doctrine, Judaism, okay? But Christians, I've had them tell me face-to-face, -face, we can't pray with you because we don't believe the same. I said, hold, stop. Stop the press. Are you saying to me that you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you accept him as your Lord and Savior? Yes. And I said, we say we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and accept him as our Lord and Savior. So what's the problem? Well, you don't believe like we do, so we, we don't have anything in common. I said, whoa, uh, somebody lying, because we both can't be telling the truth. <laughs> somebody lying. Wow. So that really puts a light on verse 2, doesn't it? It's King James, I said, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering. No, what's another way to say long-suffering? No, long suffering. It's, it's separate the words, and you got what? 
long and so while you're suffering for a long time still put up with the person that's putting you through it that's what it means you go well I sure hate going to work but I, I don't like messing with this person I don't like being around this person I, I'm here to tell you I'm a living testimony my I had a station commander when I was a recruit in Baltimore I thought this man hated my guts. He, every chance he got, he rode my butt all the time. He made life miserable for me. And I remember one day driving past Baltimore, Washington International Airport on I-295. And I began to weep before God and said, Lord, the pain is unbearable. I don't want to face this man again. And I, 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 Jesus, I don't know what to do. And I'll just, I, in fact, I, I, this was my thought. And you're going to think this is crazy. I said, Lord, it's easy for me to speed this car up to 70 miles an hour and turn it into that, the pillar of that bridge than for me to go and face that man again. That's crazy thinking, ain't it? But that's where I was. I was at my wit's end with him. And so, you know what God did? He said, I waited on you to give him to me. I was waiting on you to release him into my hand. And I did. You know, end up happening, everyone. That man ended up being my best friend. And he turned on the other recruits that previously had was using him to turn on me. And they started saying, You had like Sam, that's what they call me. You act like Sam is the only one in the office. You say, yeah, he is. He's the only one in here doing his job. And they say, yeah, Nelson, my friend. You say, you're my friend too, but do your job. <laughs> but God gave me favor, and, and it was an interesting time. So, all right. So, long suffering for bearing one another in love. The Christian love is Christ's love. It's not a love that we can negotiate with anybody. We don't get to change the conditions of it. We don't. <coughs> if I walk up and slap Clinton today, I may get my butt whipped, but he still have to love me. But if he, if he whip me, Jesus is going to whip him. Because he's going to say to him, why didn't you turn the other cheek? We can get angry with each other, but we're not to destroy each other. That's what the world does. We can disagree with each other, but we better be loving each other because that's the biggest testimony that we have before the world is that the love of God lives in us. And sometimes, I'm going to tell you, R.V. seen me get so angry the other day. I can't have baby diapers, and all the thing I could do was what? My hands were about to bleed. I squeezed them so tight. It just went right through that pack of baby diapers. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you get that frustrated at one another. But do you stop loving them? Some do. 
So I'm saying to the people around the world, if you belong to Jesus, remember who we offended. We offended God, our creator. Did he stop loving us? You know why God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked when they die? It's because when the wicked die and go to the lake of fire, it grieves God's spirit. You know how we know that? Because Jesus said to Nicodemus that night, and we all know that most famous Bible verse, Tim Tebow is known for having it painted on his eyelids. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever what? Believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus wasn't saying that just to be talking. He said that because he knew the truth of that statement. God does love us. And it really hurts his heart when we see a person close his or her eyes and don't have his son Jesus in their hearts. God knows where that person is going to go. Think about that. We're well on time. So verse 3, NIV side, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Folks, if you ever want to see the spirit of God grieved, you cause confusion in the body. And watch the Holy Spirit be grieved. That word unity means being one. One. Even though you're many members, we live like we're one person. That people don't see any difference in how we treat this one, how we treat that one, and this and that. And, and, and if you do it that way, this dispels everything that we see in, in some churches called cliques or groups. It dispels it. Because what I do for him, I do for you. What I do for you, I do for her. And what I do for her, I do for him, and so on. And that's the way God wants it to be. When we don't, the Spirit of God is not happy. And you know what's really, really sad? It's how so-called Christians treat unbelievers better than they do their own brothers and sisters in Christ who they're supposed to be spending eternity with. Let's say you got a pagan boss. You give more respect to your boss than you do the person that sits next to you in church. Is that the way it's supposed to be? Which one are you going to answer to the most? Which one is going to for you the biggest opportunity to lose everything? Your earthly boss or your heavenly boss? Yeah, because your creator is going to get you. Because remember what he said to his son Jesus. What does it gain a man if he gain the whole world and lose his what? Soul. His soul. 
So you can gain favor with your boss, you can gain favor with your neighbor, but if you hadn't gained favor with God, guess what? You've lost everything. So the Holy Ghost love it when the children of Christ are actually in unity together. Now, what does that mean? That's where you get these old smart boys from Harvard and all these other fancy places. They try to play word game. But what does that mean? Well, you know exactly what it means. I'm not going to think the same way Zor thinks. But we're both are going to be in agreement that we love each other. And we're not going to mistreat each other. Right? I'm not going to behave the way Arve behaves. But we agree. I'm not saying Arve's behavior is bad. I'm just saying that we don't behave alike. But we have agreed that we will still love each other. Why? Because our characters are different. Our attitudes are different. Our personalities are different. Our language is different. However, we have agreed to love one another. That's what he's talking about. We have one common bond and that one common bond is Jesus. And because of that, that's not going to, hey, look, I don't like guys that ride hollies with their arms up this high. I think that's just weird, okay? Better to have your arms up this high. I like now here, all right? What does that have to do with Bible study? I'm just throwing some stuff out there. That <laughs> the unity of the bond of peace is, I don't go to church and argue over what color the carpet is going to be or what color the paint on the wall is going to be, or we don't want to go after youth, or we don't want to go after adults, or whatever. I go to church saying, what does said the Lord? Yeah. And the unity of peace, the bond of peace of the Spirit says to you and me, hey, we have to agree together with this. All right? Let's agree in Christ Jesus that this is what we're supposed to be doing, because the Scripture says so. Love your enemy. Pray for those who do what? Despitefully use you and curse you and say all manner of things about you. For they have done the same to the prophets who were what? Before you. So, if somebody, if they cussed out Isaiah, they cussed out Samuel, they cussed out Jeremiah, they cussed out Moses <laughs> and all of them who were prophets of God, Guess what? I'm not going to be any different. They're going to cuss me out too. But Jesus said, guess what? When they do that, still pray for them. Bless them. He said, bless them who use you and curse you and persecute you in all manner of ways. Okay? Anybody never curse you. Oh, <laughs> you witnessed somebody cuss me. You also witnessed somebody that they get a butt whipping. He came and put his hand on me. <laughs> because I was walking in the flesh that day instead of the spirit. All right. <laughs> he witnessed that firsthand <laughs> in the parking lot of Winn Dixie. But uh, anyway, um, we need to be doing this because the Lord Jesus Christ, through Paul, said so. All right. Moving right along. There's one body and one spirit. Just as you were called in one hope of your calling, New King James side. 
I want to tell you all to take note to verse 4 and 5. I want to tell you why. Because verse 4 and 5 tell you that other religions are wrong. Other denominations are wrong. Okay? Of all the denominations that's in the world, here's what it tells you what's right in the eyes of God. Here's what it says. There is one body. That's the body of Jesus Christ called the church. One spirit. That's the Holy Spirit of the living God. Just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. One faith. That's the faith that God himself gave us according to Romans 12. God has given every man a measure of faith. Okay? Our belief system even comes from God himself. One baptism. You're baptized in Jesus' name. Okay? We follow after the Lord Jesus Christ's baptism. One God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. In other words, why are you trying to see me less than you see yourself? Because we have the same God, same Father living in both of us. You're not superior to me, and I'm not inferior to you. <laughs> Neither am I superior to you and you inferior to me. We are both equal in God's eyes. So get off your high horse and treat me like a brother or sister that we supposed to be treated like in Christ Jesus. Okay? Pretty good stuff, Shelly. NIV side. Oh, she doing that? So, but to teach one of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. What does apportioned mean? Vernon, you had a question? What does apportioned mean? Issued. Issued. Apportioned. God has issued you something. Okay, by Christ. Pardon me? Okay, when I said slowly, not a Porsche. <laughs> Kansas boy. But to each of us, grace has been given. The word has been, that's a phrase that in college they will eat you up for writing because you're not writing in an active voice. This is the passive voice. However, this is a passive voice that's called, uh, in a sense, pluperfect. And pluperfect means that God has done this long before he created you and I. Does that make sense to you? I mean, God, this is the work of God in Christ has issued you grace. What is the definition of grace? Stay with me, everybody. The definition of faith is, I mean, grace is what? I can't believe y'all don't remember. 
fa favor. God's favor. Christ has given us God's favor. As much of it as he seen fit that, you know, to give us. Whatever he feels we need, Jesus has given it to us. Sometimes he give us much favor. Sometimes he doesn't give us as much. Some seem to think none. But I think the prophet Jeremiah would disagree with you because he said, he said, you're, you're, what did Jeremiah says in Lamentation? I think chapter three, he says, your mercy is renewed every morning. What is mercy? God's unmerited favor upon you. You can't earn it. Okay? You can't earn it. All right, back on the NIV side. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. All right, boy, I love this one. Who are captives? He led captives. Captive. Mm -hmm. He led the hostage takers oh. as captives themselves. Oh. In other words, Satan and his entourage, his minions, his demons. Jesus Christ has led them captive while giving us what? While giving us what? Gifts. While giving us gifts. Isn't that what Paul says in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Junior? Isn't that what he said? They're called the gifts of the Spirit. Young, young water. Wake up, somebody. Maurice tired. Wake up in here. <laughs> anyway. Jesus led captivity captive. It had to be a sight to see that in the spirit realm, she said, come here. I don't know if he said that, but I, my, my crazy imagination just see him gathering up all the hosts of hell and had them like in a big old fishnet. You know what a dragnet is? And he's dragging them through the halls of heaven. Ugh! While the rest of the angels are cheering them on. Yes, that's our king! And Satan was grumbling and stumbling. It's Jesus is leading them captive. <laughs> That's the picture I get in my mind. I don't know if that makes sense to you or not. All right. And so he went up to heaven. He led captives. Uh, his train gave gifts to men. What does uh, da, da, da. I don't like the way NIV side says this. Verse 9 on New King James Version. Now this, he ascended. What does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He went, say that again, bring it on. He went to hell and went to heaven. <laughs> yeah, he went to heaven and went to hell. <laughs> then, then came back up. Okay? So, because when did he appear before God? The scripture tells us that 
that the veil of the temple was rented in two. Yes? Let's take a look, and I want to show you all a different uh, meaning here. Not different meaning, that's a bad thing. Uh, what it looks like for a moment. Shall I go on New King James? If you can plug that, go to Matthew. New King James, New King James, New NKJ, NKJ, okay, Matthew, and then I want you to click on chapter 27, I know, then you're going to have to, now go up to the very top, up in, top, 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 top line, right in there, click in there. And let's look for, click on 45, and then you can scroll up the, uh, going up, going up, 2745. Then you can, then we'll, we'll scroll on down to 51. That'll make it easier. All right, now let's put 51 up to the top. Try to put 50 to the top, and we'll take it from there. Put verse 50 to the top. I understand what you're saying, but I don't know how. All right, minimize that. Minimize it, the whole thing. Go up to the top, minimize that one, go to that one, where it says Ephesians, let's do it on that side. All right. All right, go to 27 and the 50. Keep scrolling down. Okay, just click on 50. Now, Make make the reading wider. Go, go, go. No, no, no. Listen to me. Take the cursor and go between the two windows. The one way the writing is, right, right in there. Right there. Now, taking left click and hold. Easy, easy. Not too much. All right, very good. He just opened that window up a little bit larger. All right. This is the last part, and y'all can wake up and go home. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. What just happened? In verse 50, as Matthew is recording it, what just happened? What just happened? Everybody look at verse 50. What just happened? Being crucified right now? Read it again. Read it out loud, somebody. What just happened? Verse 50. That's the only way he was on the cross when he yielded up his spirit. It said again? What just happened, Arve? No, no, no. What just happened? Look at that verse again. What? Well, verse. Chapter 27, verse 50. Matthew. What just happened? He ascended. No. Look at it again. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. What does it mean to yield up his spirit? He gave up his, he gave it all up. He died. He, he, Say it again. He, said, he, he died. just died. He's finished. He said. Yeah. He said spirit. Mean his spirit is no longer in his body. If your spirit is not in your body, you're now what? Dead. Dead. He just died. Oh. <laughs> okay? Who are you educated folks sitting in here couldn't figure that one out? It's just the opposite of what I said. <laughs> <laughs> I'm picking on you now. <laughs> then behold, 
Here it is. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. This thing is about 20 feet high now. So that means a man couldn't do what? Rip it from the bottom what? Up. So now this thing is ripped from the top to the and it is believed from research that it is either three or four inches thick, this curtain. Pretty thick fabric. You know, that's like, and from the top to the bottom. So who's doing the ripping? God. God is. Or at least he had an angel. We knew it was an act of God. Okay? Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth did what? Quaked. And the rocks were split. Okay? Rocks split open. What else? And the grave were, graves were open, and many bodies of the saints, that's the Old Testament saints, uh, who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, okay? After his resurrection, they did what? They went into the holy city and appeared to many. So when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, otherwise all these great signs and wonders, when Jesus said, it is finished, and he gave up his spirit and died, all kinds of strange things happened on earth. That had never happened before. And these men, like, they're freaking out. Watch what these courageous Roman soldiers who are now shaken. Watch what they say. So when the centurion, that's the leader, who's at the foot of the cross, and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly, saying, truly, this was the Son of God. God. People. It was at that point. Jesus went to hell. Hell not as the fiery place as we know it and think about because our English language misleads us about hell. This is Hades. The spirit of the dead. Controlled by Satan. Jesus just walked through the gates. He's now in Hades. That's why Paul has said, he first did what? He descended. He went into the lower parts of the earth which is another name for hell or Hades, spirit of the dead. In Romans, it says that he first descended into the abyss, which is another name for Shelley? hell. Go to Romans 5.10 or 10.5. I always get those backwards. Maybe it's 10.5. Romans, what's the time? What's the time? What's the time, somebody? Okay. Romans, you got to go up. Up, 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 up. Romans, there you go. Let's look at 10.5. 
Okay, no, that's not that one. Let's go to... Nope, let's try 710 or 75. Let's look up. Okay, that's not that one. Do 107. I got it in my head, but my head is messed up right now. Oh, it's 10-7. I knew it was <laughs> I always get the numbers some reason crossed up in there. It's a lot of them up there. All right, here it is. Who will descend into the abyss? What is the abyss? Shelly, I want you to go to the left side where it says NKJ. Left, Shelly, left, left. All right, find GNT. You ready? You're going to go to a foreign language, Shelly. Go on, GNT. Slow down. G, the letter G, like in golf, a girl. N is in November, and then T is in tango. G and T. G, Shelly, you got to go to your other G. I can't really see that stuff. I don't know what. The other G, Shelly. What do you want from me? I can't read. Down, down. Up, up. Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> okay, up, up. One more. One more up. Right there. That's now a G to me. Oh, something wrong with her. That's why we said your other G. <laughs> All right, Shelly, this word, straight up there, go straight up to the top line, straight up, 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 the first line in the block. Where's Up, the first line on the, verse 7, Shelly. Okay, verse 7. Okay, right, verse 7, not up there on 10, not there, no, on the writing, Shelly. On the writing. On the writing, verse seven, on the writing. Go to the right. Over one more, one more, one more. Get on it really good. Now right click. Now come down where it says look up root and default lexicon. All right, this is the word abuso, which is translated abyss. I'm proud of you. All right. <laughs> look what it says, literally. Bottomless pit. The same place where the angel of God will take and change Satan up and throw him in and he will remain there for 1,000 years. There's a time coming when Satan will not be on this earth for 1,000 years. There will be peace on earth for 1,000 years known as the millennium rule of Christ. However, the abyss, bottomless pit, Transliterated into English as abyss, as a place where dead people, what? Die. Where dead people go. How dead people gonna die, Shelly? <laughs> oh my God. She's on it tonight. Where dead people go, depths are underworld. Romans 10 7. Underworld. <laughs> or as a place for what? Shutting away, sh a place for shutting away the devil and evil spirits. Abyss, bottomless pit, very deep and large hole. So this is where Jesus is now at. Okay? So, 
Paul is telling those Romans, I mean Ephesian elders in the church, the rest of the church there in us today, Jesus went there. Then he came out and he ascended on high. He went back home to heaven. Okay? Pretty good stuff, huh? She, she didn't mean to say that. Oh, yes, yeah, she did. You got to know her. <laughs> you got to know the source, buddy. <laughs> All right. Michelle, you can turn that off now. Uh, click off the, the lexicon. This is a time of question, real quick. So you see what Paul is doing in this chapter? We haven't gotten very far into it. But he's telling you and I that through Christ, this is what God did. And in him, this is how our life is supposed to reflect how we're supposed to treat each other. And Jesus himself went into hell and he conquered hell. He conquered death in the grave. Just like it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 51 there. There's some powerful stuff there. And how death has lost its sting, and O grave, where is your victory? For death had been swallowed up, and the grave had been what? Defeated. Son of God did that. Jesus, our Lord. And we're loving for it. All right, if there's no questions, am I confusing tonight? Was I confusing? Because y'all just sat there like lumps on a log and like they were going to sleep on me. I shouldn't have said that as rude. I apologize. <laughs> All right. Uh, for our friends around the world. And because I said lump on the log, it doesn't mean I don't love you, okay? Because y'all are in unity as lumps. <laughs> Here we go. Here it is again. What's wrong with this boy? <laughs> here I am getting ready to witness the folks around the world and I'm calling God's people here in the United States lumps on a log here in High Springs. Unified, Unified lumps. Unified. <laughs> that is so crazy, preacher. Stop it. <laughs> All right. Our prayers is for the people of Turkey and Germany there in Berlin and for Russia. As much as we hate the Russians and we shouldn't. Don't forget Aleppo. Uh, Aleppo, what's going on there? It's just absolutely chaos. And uh, Switzerland, I think it is, where the shooting was in the mosque. These folks still need the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're saying to people around the world that they're the, Jesus is the only way in which people can be saved. Paul just described to the Ephesian elders and the rest of those church members there that there's only but one faith. He says one spirit, one faith, one baptism because there's one God, okay, and one Lord. And that really refutes all these other roads that lead to God saying there's only one way to God. And Jesus himself had said that in John chapter 14, verse 6, as we know it, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And that is true. It was true then. It's true now. And people seem to think that certain things in the Bible is no longer in effect because it was only for that time period. Well, I kind of want to say something about that just a moment. 
I don't know what Bible you're reading, but the Bible that we read says <coughs> Jesus Christ has not changed that. He is the only way in which men can be saved, women and boys and girls. The only way of salvation. Because God had made it as such. All right. So if you place your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your eternal word. Jesus, you are the eternal word of God, and you are the truth that sets us free. Forgive us for our sins, Lord, and fill us with your spirit once again. We're praying for those around the world. We pray for healing in those countries where this, dev this devastation, these calamities have taken place. And we pray for the salvation of those countries as well as our own. And Father, we cannot forget Israel, the apple of your eye. And we're asking you by your spirit that you uh, will pray for the peace of Jerusalem, that your peace will dwell there. And that the Jews' eyes will be open and their hearts soften and their minds encouraged, O oh God, so that they, they can believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. For he is the long-awaited Messiah that they are searching for. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So to God be the glory.